Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. These men do solemnly swear to interrogate, quiz, and probe any WCW president that Skypes into our show. We're talking Spring Stampede 1997 today. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, 83 Weeks fans. It is time for the buzz to begin right here on the 83 Weeks channel. We are premiering live right now. Make sure you give us a hello in the live chat. And you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and tell us what you love about this show. Because we love talking 83 Weeks with you guys. We are, of course, covering Spring Stampede 1997 tonight. Featuring that epic main event between Randy Savage and DDP. We're going to get to all of that. But let me introduce to you my friends, my panelists, my co-hosts. We're friends. Yay. Uh, and a guy who is also a longtime veteran of the business, and you can also catch him on Stop After Buzz it. TV SmackDown After Stop Show. It. It's Christian Rosenberg. Stop all the compliments. How are you? I'm great, and you love it. I you, Keep going. Uh, this guy loves it, too. We call him the Encyclopedia of Professional Wrestling. Say hello to George Hermosa. Hello there. How's everyone doing? Yeah, oh, that was very cordial. Full of energy. So cordial today. I know it's been it's been a long weekend a for long everybody. Weekend. We've had a lot of wrestling to watch this weekend. WrestleMania, WrestleCon, uh, MSG had a crazy show. Mm-hmm. We saw it all crash. NXT but, uh, Hall of Fame, yeah. so much. And I'm still gonna... need to have a, I just need to catch up on like half the stuff. Yeah. All right. So since most of you probably haven't watched all the 20 million hours yet, we are going to be talking to Eric Bischoff about his wild weekend, including. Uh, making Marky Extreme tap out. Um, yeah. A- apparently, there there is a, a clip going around from his appearance on Marky Extreme show where he he locked uh, Mark Marky Extreme tried to tackle him to the ground. That was a mistake. Uh, yeah. And Bischoff kind of took him out. It's all over Twitter. And it's got in like forty eight hours about seventy five thousand views. Wow. So yeah, yeah. I have yet to hear back from Marky Extreme. He may still be in the hospital. <laughs> wow. But, I don't know, we might might find out what Eric thinks about it. Yeah, we definitely will. He will be calling in a little bit later for a little Q&A sesh. But first, let's talk Spring Stampede 1997. Of course, this is a banner year for WCW, at least in the ratings. Nitro ratings are up. But um, Eric Bischoff says, you know, while they were gearing up for a great pay-per-view with Spring Stampede, he wasn't really crazy about the theme. How about this whole cowboy yeehaw business? Do you guys remember that being particularly trendy in 1997? Not quite. Yeah. Not really. No. I mean, especially because, like... In Tubalo, Mississippi, again. <laughs> okay, yes. Well, because Spring Stampede, in they didn't have Spring Stampede in, like, 95 or 96. Was, they were kind of bringing right. it back. So yeah. it was kind of like, uh, I guess they have to do something. I mean, Stampede, maybe they're trying to go off, like, the Bunkhouse Stampede. Sure. And I know they're just trying to bring back... The, I feel like they're just trying to bring it back. So, I mean, I, but I, you feel like that was WCW. Like, they had the, the, the cowboy theme, but then Bash at the Beach intro. They'd have, like, the, the palm trees and the beaches. for all, it just, It was just their thing. I, I felt like you... You don't need to have a special theme for every single one. Halloween Havoc, absolutely. Bash at the Beach, yes. 
uh, Starcade, their WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, uncensored, no rules. Like, those ones, all right, I get it, that's all cool, but, you know, when you got your Spring Stampede, when you have even kind of like your your Super Brawl, mm-hmm. or it's just like, yeah. No, you don't need a shtick with each one. It could just be the name of the event. I mean, <laughs> w- talk about WCW or WWE. What's the name? WWE does that too. Well, WWE doesn't have like a sep- a specific like There's theme not like a through line for for, for each one. Mm-hmm. They do. No, they don't. Hell in a Cell, TLC. Like almost at the point now, they have to have those matches now just because well, of the theme. I, of the, yeah, the but okay, is there a backlash match? <laughs> they could be. <laughs> but, but, but the same thing with WCW. No, they they no mercy but the same match? thing with WCW. Like, they had Slamboree. There wasn't a Slamboree match. There, there, there was a tournament for the match. ring. But that wasn't a Slamboree. That was just one year. That, uh, but that was that was, that was a specific. That was supposed to be specific actually. for Slam, Slamboree. That, I thought Slamboree was more about the Legends reunion. No. Uh, well, something else that I'm sure has got you guys fired up is uh, <laughs> Eric confirming that Rob Van Dam was never considered to play Glacier. Yeah, I thought the timeline of this was kind of weird because this was April 6, 97. Uh, he had that promo the next week at the first ECW review where he says, you can call me Mr. Monday Night or whatever you want to say. So yeah. it's like he wasn't even doing that gimmick for like another week and Glacier has been around for like nine months already. I, I, yeah, I, 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 know. I, I, I never I, thought Rob Van Dam was considering I would, uh, I, would, I would never think that RVD would be that crazy. <laughs> I seen, like, he's I a, like he's a pretty mellow guy. I, don't, I, I like the Glacier like gimmick. I, I thought that whole thing was cool. I just thought it got lost amongst the NWO thing. Mm-hmm. Like you have you have Glacier, and I, again, I thought it wasn't bad. You know, the theme, the Sub Zero, the characters, whatever. But then you you kind of uh, fast forward ten minutes, and you have badass Scott Hall, Kevin Ash, Hollywood Hogan. It you was know? probably like three or four years too late. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. If it was in the early, not like somewhere between 90 and 94, like, I feel like that gimmick would have been over I feel like more. if it was in like AWA, I think it would have been super over. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, that would have been all they had at that time. Or if they yeah. did it when Arnold Schwarzenegger played that cold guy in that Batman movie. That was in 97, actually. That, that, that was Batman cold guy in that, that Batman But that was, two, that was two months Mr. later. The that one was, with Poison Ivy. That was, June in, that was June in 97, though. <laughs> So the, oh, okay, so see, this was that, hot. That, that was my point. That cold guy in the Batman. <laughs> if anything, I mean, if anything, it was a take on Sub Zero. Oh, yeah. Mortal Kombat Three. Well, somebody that you mentioned there is Scott Hall, and of course, he was uh, did not perform at Spring Stampede. He was seeking treatment for alcohol or for some sort of mm-hmm. substance addiction mm-hmm. uh, treatment. Did you guys? Do you remember him kind of disappearing? And and obviously, this made a lot of headlines. <coughs> Excuse me. His wife was one who sort of publicly pushed for him to go into rehab. Do you remember what your reaction to all that was as a fan? If it changed your opinion of him at the time, as a as a younger guy, I was big on like patterns. So I thought that every every time around that time, he would go away for rehab. I thought this was the time for it because if anything, a year before he missed WrestleMania twelve. He was supposed to be facing Goldust at WrestleMania 12, mm-hmm. but he wasn't there because he had issues. So I was like, oh, yeah, March, April, that's around the time he's going to go to rehab. you know? Because I think he was gone the following year, too, for like a couple weeks, a couple months. And so I just thought it was a thing. I thought, like, oh, every, month, every year he's going to go to rehab to kind of get better. I, I, was, I was just kind of thrown off because, oh, wait, you're tag team champions. Why are they mm-hmm. still tag team champions if the tag team champion is not there? Mm-hmm. So that kind of threw me off because I would, I would almost think, you know, they – they tried to, obviously you don't want to put them in in a situation where it could cause harm to them or others mm-hmm. but a lot of them if someone has to leave for something they'll have them and they're a champion they'll have them drop the title for whatever the situation may be mm-hmm. and then okay we'll move on with this we'll keep you in a, you know 
kind of, you know, in, in limbo with it for now. And then when you're ready to return, boom, here comes the big storyline, big push, blah, blah, blah. I thought uh, two things that stood out about this uh, whole thing is one, how come Six didn't just replace Scott Hall? You know, it's not. It's not like they haven't done that before when it came to tag team champions. And and you could have even done um, his. Like name they were so focused oh. on trying to get Scott Steiner out the match, right? But then, yeah, you, or you could have just simply did a thing where James J. Dillon, a president, he wasn't there Scott, yet. You st- he wasn't there yet. He, was, he showed up on April twenty first, ninety seven. Oh my god! Why do you know these things? <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that? How do, you guys how do we not, not know? You're right. Know? Okay. You're right, George. Okay. You're then right. after what happened on here, a couple weeks later, he shows up and strips him of the tag times. Anyways, uh, another thing, too, that I noticed, too, was, like, can they say Mace in the face too many? Like, they were like, he got Mace in the face! Mace in the face! Like, okay, it we rhyme. got it. It rhymes. I know. That's why I'm saying it. It's because cool. it was like a it's shtick, cool. but it's like... They felt like rappers. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, that rap gimmick can always come back. Yes. Let's talk about Mysterio, Rey Mysterio versus Ultimo Dragon. Um, I think, you know, that we didn't get a lot of interesting commentary about the match on this episode, but this whole rumor that they put out there with Rey Mysterio and Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> I, I so, I wish that would happen now. I wish now, somebody... today? Yes, I wish somebody would have, like, the pop culture intelligence to, like, figure out who that person would be and be like, oh, so-and-so spotted with so-and-so. You, like, you know, think that you could leak it to ChristyReports.com. I'll, I'll put it out there. You would think with how mainstream it is these days, like, it's a lot easier to do that. Like, yeah. Because you see all these celebrities out, out there, and, I mean, the only reason why David Otunga had a job to begin with because he was married to Jennifer Hudson at the time. You know, like, you would think it'd be a lot easier these days to kind of leak something like that, even if it's not true. But also, at the same time, the wrestler's schedule is so crazier now. When are they going to have time to go out with? That's why they all go out with each other. Yeah. But, but but you would think that if anybody would get that lifestyle, it would be somebody like an actor and actress who also can be traveling for sure. months at a time in another country. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone who's a wrestling fan. I mean, yeah. I all I'm saying is get out there and date some celebrities, wrestlers. If anything, make it, a name it, for it, yourself. Get that publicity. Don't wait till after you're in wrestling as well, because if anything, Tori Wilson went out with A Rod, oh, Keebler yeah. went out with George Clooney, like all these things happened post wrestling. You know, can you imagine if it was during wrestling? How maybe how, how much you buzz? Yeah, how yeah. do you see that would all be? Oh. Uh, any any thoughts on the match when you watched it back? Guys? That was amazing. Oh, the, the match is fantastic. Both of these guys. I mean, we've we've talked about both of them before in the show mm-hmm. on how how great they are. It all it makes me think how. Underappreciated, I feel Ultimo Dragon is to American wrestling fans. Japan and Mexico, he's like a god. Mm-hmm. And America I was like, oh yeah, he was good. Hmm. No, like there was a reason he had all those titles at one time. <laughs> like he was incredible. I'm honestly surprised he's not in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. yet. I, I think he will be. I'm kind of surprised he's not yet. Is he still with us? Yes. Yeah. What is For all I know, he's still days? wrestling. I think he had a couple. I think he was at a WrestleCon show. Okay. Well, he had a, yeah, he, he, I think he still once in a while wrestles. Okay. All right. I know he's a, he's a, he has a lot of like students out there. He's kind of like yeah. the Lance Storm of, of Japan. Like Jap- Japanese Mexican wrestling. Mm-hmm. How about this women's match that we saw this time around? Uh, we've talked about about Medusa matches a lot on this show, and they've almost always been intergender matches. We actually got a legit women's match this time, and now their their WCW women's roster has expanded so much that they can even have a run-in by one Luna Vachon. Um I mean, I, I liked this. It expanded it was to fun. three it made women. Me excited, yeah. I mean, I asked Eric, like I think it was like a month ago, about like because I wanted, I love women's wrestling. I've always loved women's wrestling. Surprise, I was kind of hoping surprise, at some creepy George. 
I don't appreciate that. Wow. Um, but you know, wow. I, I thought I thought we were going to see like I think we saw Bull Nakano come in like not too long before that. I thought we were yeah. going to yeah. see something great. Uh, but Eric just said it just wasn't in the cards. Like it just wasn't. I mean, I, I, at the time I was excited for it, but now looking back, knowing that Eric said that, I'm like, eh. I mean, I already know who wins. Like I don't know. It's just hard to get excited for it. It would have been cool if they if they did have a you know two or three more women, one of which was in the NWO. Like not oh, not yeah. not Elizabeth, but like an actual like wrestler. wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, can't turn back. There was, the if anything, there might have been. I mean, there was a WCW Women's Championship division, but I think they had more women, like non wrestlers, than there right. were like actual wrestlers. They, they had more you know? valets Elizabeth, than wrestlers. Woman, which is where I was thinking, like, is that weird? Like, only in wrestling can you name somebody woman. Like, yeah, man. Well, but oh, it was, was, it was intended. It was intended to be kind of <laughs> condescending, right? I don't think so. When it happened? I don't know. I don't Honestly, think she's so. given that name. Oh. No, because she's always had that <laughs> Do name. Do I just take it that way now because it's the 21st century? Hey. Because, uh, yeah, they had De- Deborah was on the show, you know. <laughs> you know, just so many. If anything, that's so weird. Now, I never thought about that until uh, now. Jacqueline more about, managed. Yeah. You know, no, more, than, more matches, than rest. Yeah. I mean, she had some matches. Yeah, but yeah. Dude, she got a little w- action on this one, too. But in WCW, she probably managed more than she wrestled. WCW, correct me if I'm wrong. You no, would probably, know. Yeah. You I mean, would know, George. I mean, my my the only thing I really remember her is like with Disco Inferno, right? But I remember her like coming out with Sullivan or even with Harlem Heat. Sherry, Sherry was another one. That Sherry, what was a valet and mm-hmm. never really wrestled. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to actually. They already kind of covered the the Harlem Heat promo during the show. Oh, well, but I'm surprised. Uh, go, go I'm ahead, surprised. Go ahead. I know you got thoughts. No, I'm just I'm surprised that they didn't cut it out of the network. It's unedited because it's such oh, a yeah. famous moment. But, like, we've all seen it, you know? We can find it on YouTube or even Twitter. And I think that's why they're just like, we'll just keep it on. So this way people aren't going to YouTube. Maybe. Body. You can get on a network. Right, and we saw the owner of the company drop the same word in a piece that aired on <laughs> cable television that's so last true. week. And so. that's also on the network. That's yeah. so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not false, <laughs> even though the Encyclopedia of Pro Wrestling didn't say it. <laughs> I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, yeah. Prince Iakea, you guys always got a ton to say about him. Just Greatest like Conrad. Of all time. Yes. Like, I, why Why does Prince Iakea get Conrad and you guys and everybody so fired up? Because it doesn't, it doesn't get me fired up. If anything, I loved Eric's response to this. Okay. And no, it was a very good response. I, I agree with that because, yes, you want the whole point because he was always talked down of oh, only pushing the the older guys, the bitter, bigger names. We're going to try this with this guy. Hey, here's a young guy. Not well known. We're giving him a chance. We're putting a title on him. See, we're trying. You had a lot better people to try that with <laughs> than Prince freaking Iakea. <laughs> and... Uh, you can't even speak about it. It honest, makes you well, so frustrated. I, I personally just always have something... I always cringe whenever I see a wrestler barefoot. <laughs> And like that, I was gonna say with a man bun, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a different type Man. of cringe. But because I'm always worried, like I'm like I can't watch the match. Like Matt Riddle today, I'm worried. As great of a wrestler he is, I'm worried every time he wrestles because he's barefoot. Oh, yeah. Even Rusev started wearing boots after. Yeah, a Rusev few years. did it. <laughs> Twisted his ankle. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna happen. So I don't wear see, boots. I just don't see how people do it. No, like I've been in the ring. I've been on the, the top rope. It's like how do we, how do people go barefoot in this? Did you, jump, did you successfully jump off plus the top rope, or did you climb back down? I climb back down. Come on, okay. seriously. But it's like, plus it's like, plus it's like dirty. Like I don't want my my feet on that dirty mat. That is true. <laughs> Especially like if someone, ha- whether intentional or unintentional, bled prior. I even sweat. Like I don't want I don't want to step on people's sweaty whatever. 
You won't even step on their sweat. Try standing next to them right after a match. So close that you're both in a frame. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like in an interview situation? Like a backstage I, I thing? Got yeah, okay. no. I got it. Yeah, because it's kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the perils of, of being a backstage announcer. Okay, anyway. <laughs> to, how about the perils of having too strong of a gimmick? Eric Bischoff is never going to let Jeff Jarrett live down the whole thing, the hair, and the whole thing. But there wasn't really much else to discuss in this tag team match that no. we got on uh, really. on Spring Stampede 97. You no. guys? No? Nothing. <laughs> Johnny Grunge and Rock a rock? Nothing. Did they ever do much? Define much. I mean, are they doing anything now? Like, did uh, the gimmick or not? They're not doing anything now. They're both uh, have passed away. Oh, wow. Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're not doing anything now. I mean, you can kind of say... They were probably the first team on mainstream wrestling to use tables. Okay. Oh. So, I mean, they probably kind of know for that. Obviously, Dudley's made it amazing, Mm -hmm. but Public Enemy were probably the first ones because they they would walk to the ring carrying a table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just depends what you mean by much. Like, I mean, they were former WCW tag team champions, former ECW tag team. Like, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure they drank a cup of coffee in WWE. Yeah, I'm saying they were there for like a brief thing before they got butt kicked by APA by Farouk and Bradshaw. Um, But yeah, just I'm sure they were good. <laughs> you sure they were? All right. Well, I know I know a couple guys who are always come out with a good match: Dean Malenko and versus Chris Benoit. This is with woman. We talked a little bit about Jacqueline running in on this one. They told a pretty good story, though. I thought. Other than the locker room interfering. Well, okay. Let me. <laughs> they told a good story until all that happened. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the two of them in a match, I mean, that's just going to be a, a mat classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, maybe they told a decent story despite all of that happening, but I guess that's arguable. Was there any part of all the shenanigans at the end that you guys feel was necessary or that did do something to um, highlight someone? Or, I mean, w- was there any part of that that you can justify? Um, maybe not, on, not on pay-per-view. If it was on Nitro, it'd be fine. But yeah, it wasn't really needed. I mean, if you had to pick one, mm-hmm. maybe because it was Eddie grabbed the title, right? I think so. Yeah, so if if, if Eddie was the one grabbing the title because, like, you know, this is really my title, mm-hmm. trying to insert himself in that once he gets healthy. But the fact that he was hurt kind of defaces that. Yeah. Because, you know, he could have tried to steal it, and then it would have resulted in a triple threat at the following pay-per-view or right. whatever. And that would have been amazing. But he was hurt, so we know that wasn't going to happen. It was just kind of annoying because, like, again, we talk about WCW, how stacked they were, right? Like, mm-hmm. they would they would start off with, you know, some, some amazing wrestling matches. And you watch the wrestling, you know, the Cruiserweights, you know, Benoit, Malenko, all of them. And then we watch, you know, some of the main event, like, you know, the NWO, and there's a bunch of interference for it, you know? Right. So it's like the fact that you, you have this wrestling match with two great wrestlers and you have interference with it, like, no, the interference should be kept for, like, keep it at the NWO side. Yeah. Keep it for that, for the main eventers, not for the actual wrestling part of the show. Because because all of a sudden we had Horsemen, Dungeon of Doom-ish, yeah. Guerrero, for yeah. whatever reason. <laughs> it's just like, but they're they're all doing what the NWO we know is going to do later yeah, on. Yeah. Why are they all doing this now? Right. It was like too much creative and, in one match. And this was and this was it was at this point that they were probably very oversaturated with stables. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as George laughs at that, because <laughs> yeah, there was some like all right, you got the NWO, you got the Horsemen, you got the Dungeon of Doom. You're eventually going to be also adding the Wolfpack and yeah. the LWO, and I know I'm forgetting some the Flock. Um, and I think there's another one I I love the flock I think I've said that on this show I really enjoyed the flock but um, it was was just too many Mm -hmm. 
Well, and then, you know, you uh, consider all those tag teams they got, too. And by golly, let's just have a tag team singles match. For the tag team titles. I mean, we, we've said there may be some other ways they could have gone with this, and, I'm, and Eric talked about it, and I'm sure you guys will harass him about it when he calls in just a little while later. But what did you think about what, actually, what we actually got? I thought it was fine, to be honest with you. I thought the match was completely fine. I, I was a big fan of the way like I've seen Nash. Like We all kind of know him as kind of like an autograph wrestler. I thought he was perfectly fine in his role here. Oh, yeah. The, the match itself was fine. Yeah. It's ju- it was just the premise of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't that's mind. Really, I didn't that's mind really it. all I had. I didn't mind the print. I thought I thought there was nothing wrong. I thought I just thought it, the whole mace in the face kind of like mace dude, in the face. Mace in the face. They just said it too many times, or what's your beef with the mace yep, in the face? They said it too many times. Okay. Because it was like it was, obviously it kind of rolls off the tongue, you know, it rhymes or whatever. So it's like okay, that doesn't mean you have to keep saying it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, there was kind of there was a little bit of wonky stuff here and there in this match. I think the four corners. Um, match as well, maybe a little much. This was for a number one contendership, of course. This made no sense. Yeah, zero. So we we have a tag team, but it's a four corners. And yes, you guys are a tag team, but only one of you is getting a title shot. So, I mean, any any person who has watched any amount of wrestling looking at this match... Did anyone actually think Booker or Stevie was going to win this match? I didn't. No. Well, I'm guessing Booker didn't because he thought he was getting fired. Well, yeah. <laughs> but but what I'm saying, you have this actual tag team. Like Eric said, they dressed alike. They did a promo together. You know, Okay, wear something s- different. Cut your promos separately mm-hmm. because, you know, like, all right, you know, we're, we care about each other, but this is for a shot at the title. All bets are off tonight. Mm-hmm. By what they did, it was just like, okay, they're going to try to work together. Luger or Giants winning. Mm-hmm. We know this. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't even, they could have hinted maybe at some dissension yeah. between the two of them or something, you know? I thought it was weird that, like, I think this Strength and Peace was, like, April 6th. Luger didn't get the shot until, like, April 4th. Or, I'm no, sorry, August later. 4th. August 4th. Oh, it was, wow. like, four months, and you're the number one contender for four months. Oh. Well, was Hogan gone filming something? I actually I do I do, I do think one of the reasons why Hogan wasn't here because I wanted to ask him about this where like WrestleMania had just happened like two three weeks before and I'm I'm assuming that a lot of people a lot of fans would only pay for one pay per view a month you're not going to buy every I'm sure there were some oh sure but for the most part I think most people would be like all right it's March what am I going to order they were expensive you know back then, and yeah. especially yeah and especially now that ECW is coming around it's like. You know, I'm, I can't spend it all, so now I'm going to have to like figure out which one am I going to spend. Mm-hmm. I wonder why Hogan. I wonder if Hogan wasn't on this one because WrestleMania had just happened, so they didn't want to waste like a Hogan a waste you know, appearance. You know, have have a low buy rate for a Hogan pay per view. You know, maybe ego, whatever. But oh, you know. that's a juicy observation. Because he didn't. He wasn't at Slamboree either. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm watching. I choose to believe I'm, it because I I'm, like it. I'm watching like the wheels and Chrissy's. Head just like like oh the little hey. hamster just it's just going faster and faster and faster. <laughs> that makes sense. It's a hot hamster. <laughs> As if that has anything to do with anything. Well, this uh, Spring Stampede '97, of course, caps off with the big main event between DDP and Randy Savage. The most interesting part of what Eric said about this is about his friendship with DDP. I I have been fortunate enough to to be around DDP a little bit here and there, and just his energy is infectious, and it's so much fun. But yeah, he really doesn't ever stop talking, and I can only imagine that if he's you know, your your coworker, someone you work with, and he's also your friend, and he's also your neighbor. Like, maybe it gets to be a little much 
I feel like he's one think? of those. I feel like he's one of those guys that like laughs out loud to his own jokes. <laughs> like me. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, but not, not as loud I'm as hilarious. <laughs> but you don't like. But you don't like. You're not like. Oh, my joke is funny. <laughs> like, I, feel I like just don't do that around. Yeah. Here. I mean, because I've seen. I've seen the Jake the Snake documentary. He seems yeah. like a phenomenal human being. Oh yeah. Um. But I mean, but even with, with this match, like I was not expecting DDP to win this match. This, I'm like, this was the match that completely sold me as no DDP is a legit main eventer. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was he was getting better. I'm like, all right, I like him. I'm a fan of his. Oh wait, he should be getting title shots. Mm-hmm. So it's just that you saw his in ring work improve, and you remember just his overall that persona. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Like like how Eric's talked about on this show repeatedly. It wasn't having multiple gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, having him there with someone as brewing as Macho Man mm-hmm. certainly helped things. And this, as they were saying, this was like the official, almost like coming out party of DDP mm-hmm. as a main eventer. Yeah. Especially because they had built it up through it. They, I remember they had that where he hit the diamond cutter on Scott Hall and to really solidify yes. that he was anti NWO. Yeah. And it all built to that. And I was like, man, they put DDP over? Like, that's crazy. Like, good for him. Like, mm-hmm. good for Macho. Like, you know, I had mad, mad respect for both guys yeah. after that match. Yeah, well, and it sounds like you guys have lots of questions. Perhaps. For Mr. Eric Bischoff. So why don't we take a little, a short little break here, and we will be right back with Eric Bischoff. Stay tuned. We're back on the 83 Weeks channel, and joining us now is a man who engaged in some brutal physical action this weekend, and he lived to tell us about it. Hello, Eric Bischoff. How are you guys? Well, we're great. It's obviously been an exciting weekend, probably more so for you <laughs> than for us. How are, how are you feeling? A little uh, WrestleCon hangover today? You know, it, it really was a blast for me. Um, Friday, Saturday, both, ton of fans, but it was the right it was the right pace. You know, I got to visit with each, you know, one of the fans that came up and wanted an autograph or a picture. So I wasn't overwhelmed at the signing, but there was so much going on, you know, all around you and just, you know, the sheer numbers of people that were there. You know, I, I probably signed more autographs away from WrestleCon than I actually did Friday <laughs> and Saturday at my table. Wow. Uh, well, we're going to follow up a little bit on Spring Stampede 1997, too. But I have got to ask you a little more about this weekend. We saw a lot of antics from veterans. And so this is kind of the time where all the press is there and people really try to show off. What would you say is the most um, desperate cry for attention that you saw this weekend? Well, I think we all <laughs> saw it or, or heard about it shortly after it happened. But I think, you know, obviously the, the Hall of Fame ceremony when that moron of a fan, I don't even want to call him a fan, when that person, that individual decided to rush the stage and tackle Brett. I, I mean, I I literally got a tweet as it was happening uh, at my hotel. And, it, you know, Brett and I are never going to break bread, as I said in my Twitter post. We're never going to see eye to eye. But still, he deserves all the respect in the world. And for somebody to do that at the Hall of Fame ceremony, particularly under the circumstances when Brett was talking about Jim Neidhart in front of his daughter. It's just, that to me is like the lowest of the low life things that I saw all weekend. Okay. Uh, I mean, and on maybe a little bit of a positive note, Bob Backlund still has some uh, acrobatic prowess. Bob Backlund's got it going on. He was right (laughs) next to me at my table. And, um, he, he all of a sudden, for no reason, nothing really, nobody challenged him to do it. Nobody bet him he could or he couldn't do it. <laughs> he just walked up. He was in a great mood and stood on his head and started doing all kinds of stuff. I posted, you know, the very end of it, but he was doing like push ups and all kinds of crazy stuff standing on his head. It just shocked me. It made me feel really bad about myself. Inspired me <laughs> to get to the gym. <laughs> 
Well, I think you uh, you got involved in some physicality this weekend too, right? Tell us about it, Rosenberg. I got involved in physicality. No, Eric did, and you have a oh, question. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, I no, I'm, I'm safe and sound. <laughs> um, Eric took out Marky Extreme based on the clip that I saw. Um, you know, Marky Extreme apparently at that at that comedy show for the Pause for a Cause charity. All of a sudden, I've seen this clip on Twitter that has about seventy five thousand views Ooh. of him tackling you, and then you just making him tap pretty much. Yeah. Just like what how, what happened here? Mad respect, by the way. Well, look, it, it was for it was for charity, it was yeah. for a cause. It was late at night. <laughs> I, I wanted to end on a very you know, high note. I wanted people to feel entertained, like, you know, because it was like midnight by the time we, you know, got around to doing my interview. I thought these people have been sitting here, you know, for quite a while. Let's, uh, let's fire them up a little bit and get some adrenaline flowing in this room. So that's what that was. It was a lot of fun. So you decided to kick his ass to get the adrenaline (laughs) up. Well, there was no ass kicking going on there. It was all all in good fun. Well, it looked good. It looked very good. I, I have to admit, as much as it pains me to do so, no pun intended, uh, I got up the next morning. and Of course, I came down with a head cold over the weekend, naturally, and I, I started to cough, and I realized that you know I've got a, probably a half a dozen bruised ribs, oh and that's no fun. <laughs> what? That's, what I get for, that's what I get for thinking I'm 25 when I'm really almost 65. <laughs> well, you did have your fun, too. I saw that you crowned a brand-new Miss NWO this weekend. Right. Huge bringing that title back after, what, 20 or so years. Mm-hmm. What were you looking for in a Miss NWO for 2019? I think Christy was jealous she didn't win. Uh, just a smidge. <laughs> nah, Christy, you wouldn't want to have to do what that woman did to win that <laughs> Let's just put it this way. Attitude is everything, and she had all kinds of great attitude. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, one more question about this weekend. You know, uh, Big Cass, as we know them, and Enzo Amore, formerly of WWE, did an invasion angle at the Ring of Honor show at MSG. Do you have any advice, maybe, for somebody on how to pull off an invasion angle or what you think could make that work? Well, I th- you know, the biggest thing in, in making anything like that work is the element of surprise. And that's the hardest thing in today's environment uh, with social media and, and people quite honestly just, I think, losing respect for their own business in a sense by trying to keep things quiet as opposed to running around telling everybody what you're doing um, and looking for validation uh, before you even do it. But I think the fact that they kept everything quiet and it felt like a big surprise. I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but I certainly heard a lot about it. Um, I think the element of surprise is key to it, no matter what. You, everything else, no matter how well you plan it out and you know how creative you get with something, if the word is out and there's you know the audience expects it, it takes 75% of the fun out of it. That's true, and that one definitely did come out of nowhere. Well, speaking of that Ring of Honor show and Madison Square Garden, was WCW ever close to running Madison Square Garden? I know they never did, but were you guys ever close to running MSG? No, we weren't. And for decades, the WWF, then WWE, had a, in effect, they had a block on any competition from coming in there because of the nature of their relationship. Number one, it was a decades-long relationship going back to Vince's father, really. Uh, long-standing relationship and they had a, a pretty much they had a deal that said anytime someone like WCW would try to book the building WWF had a first right of refusal for that date which meant that management of Madison Square Garden had to say hey wait a minute Vince 
WCW just called. They want the building January 15th. Wow. And Vince could say, no, I want the building January 15th, effectively blocking us out. And that's what he did for many, many years. It no longer has that luxury. So there's a very interesting development seeing that go down. Oh, were, you, were you able to watch WrestleMania at all? I, I was able to. I chose not to. <laughs> oh, well, that makes I, two of us. <laughs> no, no, well, listen, I'm going to watch it. Don't get me wrong. It's not for lack of interest or lack of support. It's for lack of an ability to sit and watch anything for seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll watch it like in one hour increments over the course of the next week. Can't blame you for that. Um, I, I did have one one other question regarding this weekend um, at the Hall of Fame with Degeneration X's induction. X Pac specifically thanked you um, during his acceptance speech for firing him. Um, therefore, then being able because if you didn't fire him, he wouldn't have been able to be a part of Degeneration Degener- X. I was just kind of curious on on your thoughts on when you heard that your name got brought up during his uh, speech. Well, I mean, what <clears throat> Sean said was true. You know, and I, I, I love Sean Wallman. We, we've we've become much much better friends over the last couple of years than we ever were when we worked together, um, because I think we're both probably a little bit more rational and, and grounded now. <laughs> but you know, what he said was true, and I've said this before, and I'll I'll go to my grave saying this. Um, had I not fired Sean, not only would he have not, not have been a part of D-Generation X, I don't think D-Generation X would have lasted. I don't think it would have been successful. The fact that, that Sean was a part of the NWO, not just a part of WCW, he was a, he was a powerful part of the NWO and one of the reasons why the NWO was as successful as it was. He was a great cast member for that story and, and or character for that story. And had had I not fired him, uh, I don't think we'd be talking about DX today, to be honest. Wow. And um, this week on 83 Weeks, you talked a little bit about your friendship with DDP and that he would come over and talk your ear off all weekend long while you guys were off the road. Did you ever have to tell him to, like, leave you alone on the weekend <laughs> or kind of set some boundaries for your friendship? Uh, yeah, occasionally. But you know what? You know what the real manifestation of all that is is this. It's like I have post-traumatic Dallas syndrome <laughs> uh, because even now, you know, I've listened to him talk for so long. You know, for so many years during the '90s, between working with him, traveling with him when I was traveling in WCW a lot as an announcer, not as an executive, I would always ride with DDP. And like I said, and then being my neighbor and being a close friend. Um, he was constantly in my ear, you know, and if you spend any time around DDP and, and I love him to death, by the way, he's got the biggest heart of anybody I've ever met or had the pleasure to work with, but he just never stops talking. And to this day, it's one of the reasons why I haven't done, you know, DDP yoga yet, because I'm afraid <laughs> if I put that DVD in like first thing in the morning and I start hearing him going, rah, 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 in my ear, I'll get, my head will spin right off my shoulders. <laughs> Uh, uh, now, going on Spring, spring Stampede 97 was the middle of April, or beginning of April, and I love to hear your like business side of certain things. Was there ever any strategy from a business aspect when you have a, a pay-per-view before, or a week before a WWE pay-per-view, or a week after a WWE pay-per-view, like different promotion, different marketing? Like, Is it all business as usual, regardless of the date that it was? It was, for the most part, it was business as usual. Uh, again, as we probably talked about, or you may have heard me discuss on the podcast, so much of our advertising for all of our collateral material by collateral material i mean all of the advertising that was targeted towards an event that was distributed by people other than wcw 
DirecTV, for example, we had to provide them with all the commercials, the the artwork, all of the information necessary for the pay-per-view, and then DirecTV would distribute it and use it and promote it, you know, within their network. Um, really, the only variables on any given pay-per-view were really the amount of print advertising we would do. For example, if there was a sports celebrity involved, or if it was a big match, like a, a Halloween Havoc or a Starcade or something, a, a tent pole pay-per-view, if you will. Then we would take out you know, either a half-page ad or a full-page ad in USA Today and things like that. But for the most part, you know, 75 or 85% of your pay-per-view audience is going to be driven by what's on television. So it really didn't affect scheduling and the proximity to WrestleMania, for example, or before or after another pay-per-view really didn't have any serious impact on our, our strategy. Or either maybe even creatively, like knowing that maybe the WWF pay-per-view was this week, WCW was next week, you knew that maybe they had a strong card? Did you kind of maybe 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 make yours a little bit stronger in some sense? No, I mean, look, you try to. You know, one of the things that I didn't do was try to one-up WrestleMania. Um, that was just a battle we couldn't lose, in, or we couldn't win, I should say. I wish we couldn't have lost it, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, those ribs. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Um, but we didn't really try to ramp up or amp up our, a particular card creatively because we were going into a WrestleMania proximity. It just it was a losing battle. Some of our pay per views, you know, throughout the year were not you know our tent poles. You know, we had four major pay per views amongst the twelve, and you can't. You know, you can only jump so high every month. You've got to kind of pace yourself a little bit. We knew that the majority of the pay-per-view revenue in the month of April is going to go to WrestleMania, no matter what we did on the card. Um, so we paced ourselves is the best way to say it, creatively and, and, and in terms of marketing. I, I got another question in regards to the, the business sense because I was, I was kind of like – you said it at the end of the podcast and it was one of those items where I wanted to hear more with Macho Man only getting paid from Slim Jim. That like you necessarily like you were not paying him anything. I want to know how did that come to be? Like how did you guys? How were you able to pull that off? As far as Slim Jim being able to offer so much money that Macho Man was just like, no, it's cool. I'll just go with that. I don't need like a set contract from WCW. Well, I want to be really um, transparent and, and honest about that. Um, Randy's first contract was completely subsidized by Slim Jim. Okay. His subsequent contract, when we paid him more money on beyond what we paid him in his first contract period, uh, that came out of a WCW budget. Mm -hmm. But going back to how that first contract happened, uh, Randy came over. He was excited to jump in. He wanted to be in the ring. Vince thought he was too old and washed up and beyond his prime. Randy didn't feel that way. And Randy was very motivated. Um, if you knew Randy at all, or if you've heard any stories about Randy, very super competitive guy, you know, and, and especially when it came to his character and what he felt he was capable of doing. And I think when Vince decided to retire him more or less and put him behind the booth, Randy was pissed. And Randy had the, the relationship with Slim Jim. That was not a WWE relationship. That was a Randy Savage really relationship that WWE benefited from. So when Randy came over to WCW, that relationship came with him. And I negotiated a, a separate um, promotional agreement with Slim Jim where the monies went right into WCW. And 
the the face value of that that agreement annually uh, equal to or possibly surpass the face value of Randy's agreement. That that fascinates me. I know that's the good <laughs> stuff, man. Wow. Well, go back and look. You know, it wasn't just that we, women. We we offered them commercial packages, sure. You know, traditional thirty second spots and things like that. But if you go back and look, you know, we gave them ring aprons on some pay per views. <clears throat> we had product placement before anybody knew what product placement was. When Randy would come out and hand out Slim Jims, you know, when he mm-hmm. first came in, he'd hand out Slim Jims to all the fans over at center stage. Uh, we'd have them in the match. So we, we tried to come up with as many creative ways to integrate the Slim Jim brand along with Randy's character as we possibly could. And all that has a lot of extra value to an advertiser. Advertisers really enjoy being integrated into the actual content as opposed to just getting a 30-second spot that everybody tunes out of. Oh, yeah, because I remember, I remember like even yeah, the canvas or the apron, like you said, had Slim Jim. Michael Buffer in main events would, would say like he's the face of Slim Jim. The ring post would be like a The ring like post, Slim yeah, Slim Jim. So, no, I, I, I remember all that. It's just interesting to me because I didn't put two and two together, but that makes total <laughs> sense. Yeah, I think the total face value of the, the Slim Jim deal first year, I, you know, I don't recall it exactly, but it was in excess of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for all of that incremental, you know, in-program promotion that we gave them. Mm. And someone who was absent from Spring Stampede in '97 was Scott Hall, and I'm wondering if uh, he, of course, kind of took it upon himself to go and seek treatment. What was sort of the protocol, or what would be your way of handling it if you felt that a performer needed to seek treatment for drug or alcohol abuse in WCW? It was really touchy. You know, and again, it was a different time. Um, you know, the fact that the talent had contracts, <clears throat> we had to work within those contracts, and there were language and there, there was language in the contracts that protected the talent. So, in other words, if I felt, and we'll talk about, let's just talk about Scott as, as opposed to trying to cover everybody in general. In Scott's case, there was no mystery, mm-hmm. there was no suspicion, there was no debate between him and I, or or him and anybody as to whether or not he had a problem. He really, really had a severe problem. So it wasn't a discretionary thing uh, from from my point of view. It was an absolute mandatory thing that, that he, he get treatment. And I think Scott wanted to as well. Scott's wife at the time wanted him to as well. So there was no debate about it. You know, if it was somebody that I suspected might have a drug problem or an alcohol problem, uh, that was a little trickier because then you've got to approach it differently and you've got to suggest that they get treatment. You can't accuse somebody of having uh, a, a drug problem just because you don't, you, you think they're acting oddly or differently or not performing. You have to have pretty good evidence. And then, and this is where it got really tricky. A lot of the drugs, you know, people, especially back in the nineties, you know, they, they, they always talked about steroids. Steroids weren't the problem. I'm not saying they weren't a problem, but steroids weren't the main problem. The main problem was prescription drugs and most of the guys that were abusing drugs were abusing prescription drugs that they got legally that was back in the 90s and even in the 2000s before you know the fda really and the dea really cracked down on prescription drugs that's why we have the problem we have today with opioids it's because for decades doctors have been handing out percocets and vicodins and oxycontins they've been handing them out like candy at pain clinics all over the country. And once the federal government clapped down on that, you know, now you've got people out, they can't, they can't, they can't get prescription heroin anymore. So they go buy the stuff off the street for, you know, 10 bucks a bag. 
And this was at the beginning of that period of time when the pain clinics were popping up. Nobody was really watching doctors too closely. Doctors didn't even really know what they were just prescribing half of the time, in my opinion, or they didn't care, which is even scarier yeah. in a yeah. way. But it was the prescription drugs that caused the biggest problem, and that made it more difficult. So how do you go to a talent and say, look, I think you've got a problem with the drugs that your doctor prescribed to you? Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's, that was, it was tough. Can see where it would be. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of briefly touched upon this episode, but you've gone on record and said that you never wanted to go. You want you never wanted the WWE to go out of business, regardless of what anybody else says. You say you never wanted to go out of business. Why not? Why not put the WWE out of business? Why not take them out? That way, you guys will be by default number one, number two, number three, like just all the above. Well, there's a little bit of a nuance there. You know, when I've made those statements in the past about not wanting, my goal wasn't to put them out of business. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have felt bad had they gone out of business. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I would. Knowing what I know now, I obviously would. I'd feel horrible. Um, but uh, that wasn't my goal. My goal was to be number one. Now, I said and did a lot of things to try to catapult WCW into that position, some of them very controversial. Some of them just smarky and, <laughs> and and shitty just for the sake of being shitty. But my goal wasn't to put – there's a difference between you know having a goal to put your competition out of business and it just happening as a result of you trying to dominate the market. Well, my question you know, is why wouldn't it be your goal? Like why, why not put them out of business? I guess it's a different way of looking at it. You know, To me, putting someone out of business is pretty short-sighted. It's, it's not a long view. It's a very short view. Um, the long view is to build your business. And that was my view at the time. I wasn't really experienced enough or, or smart enough, I guess, to articulate it that way. But our, our goal was to be number one. If they happened to go out of business or if their business model would have had to change as a result of that, that wouldn't have, I wouldn't have cried about it. But it, it wasn't my goal. And I guess that doesn't make sense. You know, it's kind of like going to the beach. You know, when you go to the beach, your goal isn't just to go swimming. Your 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 goal is to have the best day you possibly can at the beach. And if swimming happens to be a part of it, great. But you really want to spend the day at the beach. And that's a weird analogy, but that's the only way. (laughs) Or to put it in less words, because he's not an a hole, Mm. George. Geez. (laughs) I I was an asshole. Don't. don't, I'm not not trying to sugarcoat that part. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving us your time when you're all bruised up and you're tired and you've been traveling. And we appreciate it. So glad that you had a fun weekend. And uh, we hope that you're healing up soon. Oh, I heal fast. Where's Kaufman? Oh, well, he's he's still on vacation. Yeah, I, think he's, I think he's flying back today. Yeah. He, he was just like, you guys don't need me for another week. And then we were like, all right, fine, we don't. <laughs> well, I tell you what, don't don't get too comfortable with that uh, that thought there, Mister Kaufman. When they, when everybody realizes that they actually don't need you, it's when you need to start worrying. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Oh, I'll be getting a text message when he watches this back tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. Uh, any idea what you'll be covering on eighty three weeks? I just got a text from Conrad a little while ago. I think we're going to cover the. Nitro, uh, the reset with Vince Russo and I. Oh, oh wow. Well I'm excited then. for that one. Well, then. April 10th, 2000 from Denver, Colorado. Why do you know that? Why would not you know that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So clearly we will be here and excited to talk about that. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you very so much, we'll guys. See you then. Thanks, Thanks Eric. Eric. Bye. 
Wow, guys, way to uh, show that enthusiasm. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Now I'm excited. I, I, I'm actually really excited for that episode. I have, I've been wanting this episode because there's one specific line that Bischoff said. I might as well say it now. He, he said to Sid, hey, Sid, where's your scissors? And I'm oh, man, I've been waiting for this for the long time. I'm, I'm sure it will be brought up by Conrad. Otherwise, you can bring it up. <laughs> that's, oh yeah, that's good. All right, so look forward Damn to a very Conrad. PG episode next week yeah. of 83 Weeks and of After 83 Weeks. And guys, I'm sure everybody out there is going to have thoughts about the show. Where can they hit you up at, Christian Rosenberg? You can follow me on Twitter at Real Rosenberg, Instagram, TheRealRosenberg, ProSynthes.com, slash Christian Rosenberg. Hey, CollarAndElbowBrand.com, promo code Rosenberg, save yourself 10%. And I also host the AfterBuzz Force WWE Smackdown. Woo! Uh, and George Hermosa. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. Uh, watch our WrestleMania after show. We covered WrestleMania 35 just a couple days ago. Uh, it was fun. I mean, I'm going to start interacting with everybody in the chat in the chat room, the, the message board. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Now I want to hear what you guys thought about WrestleMania 35. All right. And you can find that on AfterBuzz TV Wrestling and Sports. And there was something else I was going to plug, but you talked so long that I forgot about it. So make sure that you all subscribe <laughs> to the 83 Weeks channel. Give us a little thumbs up. And you can also, also listen on Apple Podcasts. We'd love it if you'd leave us a five-star rating and you guys can always hit me up at christy reports i'm always listening watching reading and we will see you next week for what's about to be a very rousing episode of after 83 weeks have a good one our founder kevin undergaro and me maria menounos would like to thank you for tuning in to after buzz tv remember we're not just the first we're the biggest in the world and we're the only destination for all your favorite tv shows Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.